On this week's episode of Generation Oblivious, Dr. Huxtable is in. You can be diagnosed by Dr. Huxtable himself if you are in federal prison. Uh, a bear attacks man, or eats man after he ODs on meth. Uh, our favorite homeless GoFundMe schemer is back in the news. And I totally forgot all the other headlines. That plus more on this week's edition of Generation Oblivious. By Norma Taninga, the the theme song from What We Do in the Shadows, Tika Waititi, director of Thor Ragnarok, and director, creator of, one of the creators of uh, Flight of the Concords. Right. He did a, uh, it's a mockumentary about, uh, this documentary crew finds vampires in New Zealand. Uh, and goes with me. It's a phenomenal fucking movie, and the TV series is coming to FX soon. It, like the unofficial sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a tremendous movie. You need everybody needs to watch it. It's it's so good. So before we start the headlines, is there anything you got? Not anything that sticks out particularly. I saw where Walmart has abandoned the cashierless stores. Um, due to theft. Oh, is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, I just read that today. I don't know if it's like an official thing, but I know that they've they've closed one already just because it just got wiped out. So who would have guessed? I mean, that would go under the that would be filed under the obviously category. Yep. <laughs> and you can't like you can't your your core demographics can't live in trailer parks and be low income people. Because that's what they do. Mm-hmm. So and they claim they're religious most of the time. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I always had a saying when I worked there is like, you don't see a mullet at Target. You know, and there's a good reason because they don't advertise to. And they're priced just high enough that mullets stay away. Mm-hmm. They might actually come to life and attack the, the wearer of said mullet. Don't forget the rat tail. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, before we get started on this week's headlines, it's back. The, the new sensation sweeping the nation, America's favorite new game. The answer is Jesus. And first question, what gets better with age? Jesus. <laughs> this is your captain speaking. Fasten your seatbelts and prepare for... Jesus. What's my secret power? Jesus. I never truly understood... Jesus. Until I encountered... Jesus. It's actually kind of powerful. <laughs> what are my parents hiding from me? Jesus. Only if you're my son. <laughs> Who controls... Jesus? Jesus controls the world. Or I added Jesus same time. It says, Who controls blank? Contr- oh, who controls... Jesus controls the world. Mmm. Getting powerful. <laughs> Only two things in life are certain. Death and... Jesus. That's not... <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to end on this one. Pulled at random. Jesus is. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, the card said Jesus is. 
Jesus is Jesus. Yeah. If only you pertain to Santa God. I know. That was a... Uh, some of those were quite, quite powerful. Quite powerful stuff. Um, I did get to do one thing at work. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to another store to help them. And while I was working... Like, I was actually on a phone call. Like, I have a... I had a headset in listening to a podcast and somebody called. Mm-hmm. So I answered it. So I had my the headset in and this lady walks up and just starts talking to me. And I just stare at her blankly and she's like, oh, I'm sorry. Do you work here? And I was like, no. <laughs> she said, oh, I just thought. And I was like, yeah, you, you thought wrong. <laughs> and you know what? It felt as good as I always imagined. Nice. I, I recommend that you should totally do that. Especially, I mean, because I was there working. Like, I've been at Walmart. Right. In, you know, cargo shorts, t-shirt, a hat, and sandals, and somebody asked me if I was working there, and I was like, ooh. We near the long garden. I was, I was in a hardware. Hmm. <laughs> I was literally sitting on the paint counter with my feet crossed, like, kicking. <laughs> and somebody's like, oh, do you work here? I need help with screws. And I was like, no. Alright, there is a whole list you can get customized of... Insurance shut up. Okay. There's a whole list of chaos and anarchy going on, and it ranges from conspiracy theories to animal attacks, people attacking animals, mm. animals attacking people, Okay. and a couple follow-ups. Let's. Let, you want to hit some follow-ups? Sure. We'll get those out of the way. Alright. Well, this was from last week. Cop who allegedly killed colleague during Russian roulette also accused of drinking on duty. I think does a, not surprise me. I think that's a lesser of the charges. Um, yeah, but depending on what state you're in, that could actually get him off the hook for murder. So mm. he could say that he's an alcoholic and he was mm. drunk. Now I don't know if St. Louis. I know in Texas that's a thing. I don't know in St. Louis. That's of course, a thing. Texas that would be a thing. But Nathaniel Hendren, 29. Killed his colleague, Kalen Alex, during a game of Russian roulette, is now accused of also drinking on the job. A disciplinary document filed at 1.30 a.m. on January 24th says Hendren and partner Patrick Rorden imbibed that night. Duh. Lieutenant William Brown wrote that the officers broke regulation. No employee shall report for duty or remain on duty with an alcohol concentration of .04. That's half the legal limit. Or greater. Moreover, no employee shall consume alcohol while on duty. Uh, Hendren and Alex were playing Russian roulette at his home with a revolver filled with just one bullet, because that's how the game's played. According to the probable cause statement, they took turns until the second time Hendren pulled the trigger he aimed. Why would you keep going? Yeah, no. Like, I would, I would shit my pants doing it once, but not until some, like... That's just crazy. No amount of alcohol would... Right. Hendren, who is charged with one count of involuntary manslaughter and armed criminal activity, showed up for his mugshot with a black eye. Cop says he injured himself that night by headbutting and smashing the back window of a police SUV after taking Alex to a hospital. Hmm. Uh... The U.S. or the St. Louis... His attorney, James Toey, said that Rorden sipped some beer at the residence but poured the rest out in the sink and blew all zeros in the breath test he administered after the shoot. He was administered after the shooting. 
They can't blame being drunk and yeah. dumb. They're really not giving out any more information than that. Now, I really doubt this guy has that natural disorder where your body produces alcohol. Yeah, probably not. Because, man, you should not be a cop if you have that issue. And then the second one was... was have, we've been following this almost since day one. Mm-hmm. The GoFundMe that raised $400 for a, a, a act of kindness of a, as a homeless man gave his last $20 to a woman who ran out of gas on the Pennsylvania Turnpike mm-hmm. was found out to be faked, and he was arrested. The couple was arrested, and he was given... He was released on bail, but given that he had to report for drug and alcohol counseling, and he couldn't test positive. Mm-hmm. Um, he's now been sent to jail. Because he failed one, didn't he? Yup. <laughs> the former Marine technician at the Center of Viral Fundraising Campaign... Um, John Bobbitt was transported to the Garden State to the Garden State on Monday, taken to the Burlington Jail. A spokesperson for the police said Bobbitt appeared before Judge Mark Tarantino ordered him detained in a bench warrant after oh he failed to appear for a hearing about a possible violations of his parole, which means he got high. Ooh. Yep. Ooh. I've not heard a single thing about the other people he was accused with. So, yeah, he violated his probation, and he's going to jail. The other two probably learned the key thing that they need to survive. Most people should just shut the just fuck shut up. up. Yeah. Yeah, that would be, uh, you know, pretty good. All right, let's see what else. All right. Paging Dr. Huxtable. Paging Dr. Clifford Huxtable. Convicted sex fiend Bill Cosby has gone bonkers behind bars mm. and is treating fellow inmates for medical issues. What? He's thinking his Dr. Huxtable, his fame character from his former sitcom, has given him enough information to diagnose people. He's blind. And crazy. Oh, uh, boy. Cosby believes he's learned a lot about how to cure people and to and speak to patients after playing Dr. Huxtable for nearly eight years. In telling the few friends who've stuck by him, Pennsylvania's SCI Phoenix State Prisons are overeducated, unintelligent children with a clipboard and don't know what they're doing. So Cosby, who is dubbed a manipulative monster has been spending an hour per day coaching healthy inmates in dieting and meditation and also diagnosing sick ones. He's accepting appointments from inmates to help diagnose anyone from a cold to obesity. If he thinks he, he, if he thinks they're incurable, he refers them to the infirmary with a preliminary diagnosis. Um, One inmate said he's so goofy. He's even fashioned a doctor's garb from bed sheet. Oh, Jesus Christ. Another source conf- confided, he told us that he wore a bed sheet like an apron to get into character. He said his medical skills are a tad rusty since playing Dr. Huxtable, but he's still hip to the role. Problem is, he's no doctor, obviously. And Dr. Huxtable is sort of like playing Dr. Frankenstein. He wants to take the head off the first and then go in and pull the arms out. And the prison, the prison staff is just letting him do it, and has told the inmates to play along. So he's like, "You need to go to the infirmary," and 
mean, then they go and they just leave his cell and they're like, whatever. <laughs> oh, my lord. I, of all the episodes of that show I used to watch, I don't recall him ever diagnosing anyone in that show. No, because he was a, a baby doctor, wasn't he? An OBGYN? Yeah, just, just no one. I thought so. And, man... I think this might just be a ploy to be put in psychiatric health. Possibly. To be pulled out of prison. But at this point, what does it matter? I mean, it's you you're just... treated nicer. <laughs> it's probably the only reason why. It's a ploy. I don't know. Be. And then I read later that he's being moved to general population. <laughs> so, there he's going to experience a whole new world of uh, suck. Uh-huh. Because I bet none of them are going to play along with that little idea. No. Alright. And since we're talking about scumbags, man pleasured himself into colleague's sandwich before letting her eat it. Alright. That's a thing for that guy to do, I suppose. Not necessarily great. Anthony Manoval, who worked at a now-closed Bonton department store, and this is over in Britain, by the way, was found guilty of performing a sex act with a woman's lunch. The 36-year-old wanted to appeal his conviction but failed to convince a state appeals court panel who was unjustly that he was unjustly convicted of the indecent assault. Judge Mary Murray upheld Anthony Manville's conviction for the August 2016 incident at the Superior Court. Oh no, this is in Pennsylvania. Manville of Pennsylvania in the U.S. was sent... This is just a British paper that picked up the story. Um was sentenced by Judge Michael Scholey to 3 to 12 months in prison, plus 4 years of probation. The act was said to have been caught on the store's internal camera system that was covering a <laughs> stock room. Know where the cameras are, folks, and don't do anything in front of them. Pin just don't be a dick and do anything like that at all. Pinlies reports that the store's human resource manager confirmed a film showed Manival performing a sex, sex act while holding an unwrapped sandwich... And a pair of pink women's shorts. So the sandwich wasn't enough to get him mm-hmm. off. Yeah, to use a crutch. Yeah. I had respect for him until then. What if I he put the sandwich you... in the panties? <laughs> oh boy. That's an entirely new beast you're making now. Images in show. Manival pressed the sandwich against his body before rewrapping it. The HR official testified soon after the other employees the other employee ate the sandwich. Soon after. So was he like, here, let me go get you some mayo? And she just sat there? Or was it like a beat the clock situation? I'm going to assume beat the clock. Was it like at the end of Ferris Bueller? Where she's just like slowly walking to the break room and he's just around the corner beating off real fast. And he has to get the sandwich wrapped and put back in the fridge. Or he knew she was going to go lunch at that time. Just plenty of time to work out his business. Colleagues testified during Manville's trial that she did not know what he had done. When police quizzed him, he admitted to performing a sex act at work. I'm calling it a sex act. Manville also conceded that a that a black light would have revealed traces of semen on his hands when he touch when he was touching the sandwich. He never gave evidence, but his defense team argued that there was no indecent contact, so there was no case. It is undisputed that Man- Manival 
did not deny his behavior. He admitted to the police that he performed a sex act with pink shorts and a sandwich, and he had seminal fluid on his hands when he rewrapped the sandwich that would be eaten later. Wow. Get a new defense guy. And stop jerking off into sandwiches. But for sure, yeah. get a new defense. Man, imagine how many he probably got away with. Uh, I just imagine, like, you you should, I just imagine that you would know. I mean, I don't know. But I would imagine that one would know. Mm -hmm. Either you're familiar with it and you're like, hey, this tastes like jizz. Or you're not familiar with it, and you go, hey, this tastes like jizz. <laughs> or, hey, this tastes a little bit more salty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, boy. I don't remember ordering the head cheese. We've done animals. We've done dead animals now. They were in food. Because we don't know what kind of sandwich that was. Alright, we've got an animal section. Oh, good. Here we go. We've moved north of Florida, and we are now entering... Alabama. Roll Tide. Surprise me. <laughs> An elderly Alabama couple's rifle and shriek scared scared off an intrusion into their home by a young man carrying a stun gun and a sex toy. So, quite the pairing. Which do you want? The big floppy dong dildo or the taser, old man? I just imagine being a dildo bat. And I learned the difference between a dong, when they call it a, a dong, and when it's just a, a rubber dick. Mm -hmm. A dong has balls. Mm -hmm. So Now if you're ever on Jeopardy. I don't think they're ever <laughs> asked that question. Daniel Bennett was spotted by neighbors riding a bicycle, stirring up commotion by banging on the doors and windows of homes along Matlock Road in Mobile on Monday night. Was he using the dong to knock on the windows? I hope so. Be like there was a weird thud. Put some lubricant on it. <laughs> when he when he reached the Wilcox family abode, Marilyn Wilcox told WKRG that, ele that Bennett allegedly tried to enter through their kitchen window. Bad idea when people are home. That's hard to get in. I heard a noise, looked towards the window, and I saw a face. He was attempting to crawl in after lifting up the window. I screamed for my husband to get the gun. Words you never want to hear when you're breaking into a place. Mm -hmm. The husband reached for his rifle and came darting into the kitchen to fend off the burglar. Man, he is so lucky to be alive. Seeing the gun, the teenager retreated. A family member who didn't want to be named confirmed to Newsweek. Mobile Sheriff's deputies rushed to the scene after receiving multiple calls of a man whom neighbors described as white, clean-shaven with dark hair and wearing a black jacket. He looks pretty young to me. Yep. This had to have some stupid kind of dare or some nonsense. Police searched the area and they found Bennett, who matched a description, as he was pedaling a bicycle. And they cuffed him. Once in custody, police discovered Bennett was carrying an assortment of curious items, including a stun gun, a pair of hairstyling shears, a pack of razor blades, and a large rubber sex toy with a tube attached to it. So, it was a dildo bat. Yeah. Whoa. Bennett was quickly booked for attempted robbery and violating his probation. What? What's he on probation Word. for? I'm sure there's more to that. Jail records show it's unclear if he has retained an attorney, but the teen was brushed with the law before. 
Bennett was slapped with attempting to repeat, repeatedly commit bestiality with a 20-year-old mare named Polly. Mm. Oy vey. Bennett was initially accused in the original warrant of bestiality, a misdemeanor in Alabama. <laughs> so, if you're going to go, go hard in Alabama. And accused of engaging in or submitting to any sexual conduct with an animal to with a horse. The publication confirmed. Charges were later consolidated to possession of burglary tools, sexual misconduct, and criminal trespassing. It remains unclear if he was convicted of alleged horse molestation. I would say it doesn't really matter. But signs point to yes. Yeah. All signs point to yes. So that was pretty exciting. Don't know if that's the term you should use there. Well, while we're on animals, we've got two more animal stories. Mm. One is in our neck of the woods. Oh, boy. This is the Knox News. Okay. Man found in Smokies died of meth overdose before he was eaten by a bear. Oh, boy. The, this bear got methed out. Yes. So now there is a methed out bear tweaking up in the Smoky Mountains. <laughs> it's going to need its next fix. A man whose body was found in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park last year died of a meth overdose before being partially eaten by a bear. Well, it's last year. The body of William Lee Hill Jr. Oh. He had a daddy, too. <laughs> a 30 of Louisville, Tennessee was discovered in a wooded area off Rich Mountain Road in Townsend on September 11th. Four days after he became separated from a friend while the pair were searching for ginseng in the park. So you're telling me two kids in Tennessee get high on meth and go look for ginseng in the woods. Hmm. Times have changed. After search crew found an adult black bear scavenging the body, the animal stayed in the area and exhibited aggressive behavior for hours. Believe it. <laughs> Biologists trapped the bear long enough to apply a GPS collar and recover DNA from the animal. Officials then released the bear, reviewed the evidence, and determined the bear should be euthanized. Bear didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, but he's on meth. I mean, I mean if it gets... And around here, you can smell that meth cooking, and you just have a bear come kick down doors. While the cause of Mr. Hill's death is unknown at this time, after gathering initial evidence, consulting with other wildlife professionals, Professionals and careful consideration we made the difficult decision to euthanize this bear out of concern for the safety of the park's visitors and local residents. Uh, media outlets cited the release of the report the bear had not been euthanized, which prompted the park to clarify two days later that the animal had not been slain. Getting close enough to the humanely shoot the bear proved surprisingly difficult. The bear evaded death for five sweet days nice. until the park rangers fatally shot the animal. No. I think it's Parker and you just want to go on a hunting expedition. <laughs> That's what happened there. Uh, they examined the body and found that there was no evidence of the, the attack by the bear while Hill was still alive. Hill had been identified through his personal belongings and tattoos, which included scrawling, a skull and crossbones with the inscription ACDC and a Confederate, a Confederate battle flag bearing the words it's a redneck thing with redneck misspelled. No, it's not a redneck R -E -D -N -E -K. thing. R-E-D-N-E-K. 
feel confident in saying no big loss. I mean, the ginseng world has lost one of its prolific hunters of ginseng. He's probably very efficient at gathering ginseng. Oh, missing his Naga hat. That'd be great if the ba- they had to shoot it because the bear ran off with a Naga hat. Uh. And I'll just read you a brief headline. The story isn't that funny. Okay. It made the news, and it made me laugh. Headline. This was reported during the polar vortex. An on-call veterinarian reports, During the cold, when I pull my arms out, the poop freezes. During the polar vortex, the veterinarian has been called out to many ranches mm-hmm. in the Midwest and has to give a rectal exam mm-hmm. and wears a giant glove, sticks yep. his hand up the butt, which is nice and warm, and pulls it out, and yep. then his arm immediately freezes. Or hers. Alright. I've got two stories of stupidity and two conspiracy theories. Okay. Which which would you like to dive in? Let's go stupidity first, because stupidity can lead to other things. Okay. This one just made me angry and made me want to slap somebody. This is headline from The Blaze. 27-year-old man plans to sue his parents for having him without his consent. They had me for their joy and their pleasure. 27-year-old Indian man plans to sue his parents whom, with whom he admits to having a good relationship because they brought him into this world without his consent. <laughs> Raphael Samuel, shit, Raphael Samuel of New Delhi said that children aren't indebted to their parents and that children should ask their mother and fathers for explanations on why they gave birth to you. I went to tell all Indian kids that they don't owe their parents anything. I love my parents. We have a great great relationship. But they had me for their joy and their pleasure. My life has been amazing, but I don't see why I should put another life through the rigmarole of school and finding a career, especially when when they didn't ask to exist. Samuel believes part of a system called anti-nationalism, or natalism, natalism, which promotes the notion that children shouldn't be forced to be born. Other Indian people must know that it is an an option not to have children and to ask your parents for an explanation as to why they gave birth to you. This guy needs to be told to shut up and slapped in the face. Where is this from? Is it from... This is India. India? Okay. I wasn't sure if you meant Native Americans earlier. Nope. Okay. This does not surprise me from the surprise butthole sex <laughs> for three years. Yes. There is, but that's so. That's just so dumb. So dumb. I don't. How are you even supposed to get that? Are you supposed to talk to your balls? Yep. Be like, but boy. When I asked my testicles before I put it in your mother, they twinged just the right amount. <laughs> You're like, I don't remember saying that, Dad. Maybe it was one of the other 70 billion sperms I unloaded in her. Maybe he's just doing this as a convincing argument against, you know, all these conservatisms trying to push. <laughs> I get what he's saying, but he should come over here and have a shitty life. 
Like, not not be like, like, I could understand if he had a good life. Like, the boy we just saw at the grocery store today. He had no shirt on, wearing sweatpants, standing in the cart corral, screaming at the person in the van. Or in, mm-hmm. the, in the SUV. Okay. Was there a rope tied to the cart to pull it around with it? <laughs> no, there was no carts around. He was just in the corral. Oh, like, okay. I don't know if he just walked in there and couldn't figure out how to get out. Oh. But I was trying to listen in, but the more people came outside, he quit screaming. But I know he said something about the refrigerator. That kid should be the one that was mad that he was being, that he was born, not some Indian who has a good relationship with his family. Right. You know. I don't know. But the, I'm, I'm mad that the kid quit talking. Because <laughs> it, like, it looked like it was going to be a real uh, intelligent conversation that was about to happen. <laughs> All right. Oh, one more story of the stupid. This also, oh no, this is a Middle Eastern. This isn't, this isn't from the Asia. This is, oh, what the hell? Oh. Uh, this is from Kuwait. Okay. A couple got divorced after three minutes of being declared husband and wife. So they went to Vegas. Nope. <laughs> They got married over there. <laughs> Were they drunk? Nope. After the legal proceedings ended, the couple turned to walk out of the courthouse, but the bride tripped and fell. According to the reports, the groom called her stupid for falling over. The woman became extremely angry and demanded the judge to end their marriage immediately. <laughs> the judge did. He annulled it, and it was like the couple was never even married. It is believed to be the shortest marriage in the country's history. I would dare say almost part of the world. Unless someone had a heart attack during their marriage, then maybe. So then the, the story goes on to talk about other new story, other stories of marriages doomed to fail. Uh, a bride who insulted her husband-to-be when she arrived at the altar and demanded he change his outfits. Or his outfit, singular. Mm-hmm. Clearly aren't going to work. Shut up, bitch. (laughs) Uh, Australia's married at first sight. Bride Inez Basic, 28, clearly wasn't impressed when Bronson Norris turned around and said hello on their big day. When she arrived at the altar, he introduced himself in front of all their family and friends, to which she replied hi, and then insulted his appearance. She said, can we get rid of the eyebrow?" Eyebrow ring, please. <laughs> he laughed awkwardly, replying, "Not very easily, no." Members of the crowd were shocked by her opening line, and one guest was overheard said, "I can't believe she said that." <laughs> so, three-minute wedding. Do you feel like she was justified, or is that a sign of? Her? I feel like that's a sign of her age more than anything. I mean. If they hadn't even left the room yet, and they're already insulting each other, it's not a great sign. But I want to know how he said it. Was he laughing? Like, you're so stupid. You fell down. Or was he, like, yelling at her? Right. That does make variable, but unfortunately, they did not elaborate on that Or in their dialect, can you not really jokingly? His sarcasm doesn't come across in Kuwaiti. I don't know. Right. But like I said, we had a... Me and your sister had a bunch of people get married right out of high school, which we got married young. 
but we were not the first in our class to get married. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a bunch of people that got married before us. Right. And all of their... The people that got married younger than us, I'm pretty sure all of them got divorced. Right. Real fast. Like, about a three-minute marriage. Don't worry. My generation is killing marriage. <laughs> and babies, from what I'm hearing. Not killing babies, just not having them. Yes. Which, you know, maybe we could go, you know... Yeah, there's some states out there still terrible for that. Oh, yeah. Mississippi. On the conspiracy. I'm going to do the absurd one first, but I just found it entertaining and fun. Mm-hmm. I think both of them would probably be absurd <laughs> in some sort of way. Yeah. This one was interesting only because it's still a news story from 1969. Okay. So, but... When when it originated, this was back when, like, have you ever read, like, a really old newspaper? Sometimes. Like, been a while. Yeah. Like, I read one from, like, the 1800s, and it was just like, Lester and Connie Holt are going on vacation, so don't send them, like, that was a news article in the paper. Right. Like, don't send them any mail. And that was before you had to worry about getting robbed and shit. Mm-hmm. But the newspaper said when you're going on vacation or somebody was sick, you know. I think they probably would stop to worry about getting robbed so much as they took all their belongings with them. Yeah, they didn't have much. They're like, fuck you, enjoy typhus, dipshit. But here's the... I don't know if I want to read the title. Do you want the title or just the story? I mean... Go for it, both, if you want to. Alright. Headline reads, Boy Prophet warned of a tornado 50 years ago, then vanished. The title's misleading. It's not like he predicted there would be a tornado in 50 years. Right. A deadly tornado hit Hazelhurst in the early mornings of January 23rd, 1969, and no one was prepared. Which, that is a very strange time for a tornado. Even in Tornado Alley, you didn't really worry about tornadoes in January. Like, that's not tornado... That's not tornado-making season. Mm Mm-hmm. That day, six-year-old Shirley Sandiffer awoke to an ear-splitting roar. Windows exploded, glass shards rained down on Sandifer's family who were still in their beds. Sandifer felt the powerful vortex of the wind pick the house up and drop it back to the ground. Then later that day you come out and see what it had done. You look at the neighbor's house and the house isn't there anymore. It's just a memory you never forget because it was a nightmare, said Sandifer, who is now the mayor of Hazelhurst, a town of 3,800 residents half an hour south of Jackson. Don't tell me the state, because we don't want to know. <laughs> Fifty years later, talk of the tornado that killed 30 residents brings back distressing memories and one unanswered question. In the mind of many Hazelhurst residents, the historic maelstrom is inseparable from a local mystery they refer to as the boy with the bottle pop on his head. <laughs> what? Yeah. They refer to him as the boy with the bottle pop on his head. Oh, you mean old bottle pop head? I was there when old bottle pop head came around that day. People just chucked him aside. A strange young boy, they said, showed up in town one day, apparently without family or friends. Everywhere he went, he had a glass Coca-Cola bottle balanced on top of his head. He preached from the Bible and foretold it was a disaster that would strike Hazelhurst Years before the tornado came, he was always preaching that the Lord was was going to bring something to Hazelhurst and that was going to change their lives. 
People just chucked him aside and laughed at him. When the tornado came through, they tried to find him because they realized he wasn't lying. And he was nowhere to be found. Some are now convinced that the boy was a prophet who was capable of healing and predicting individuals' fortunes. And he accomplished superhuman feats. He escaped from handcuffs when police sought to jail him, some say. When he jumped off the top of a tall wooden bridge, his legs didn't stop moving. It was like he was walking through air until he landed lightly on the ground without a scratch. It sounds like the stuff of myth. However, scores of people who are alive today say they personally interacted with the boy. They still tell the tale spawned from his appearance in town. His story reads like it could have been out of the book on the Bible. It sounds like he was a... Coke on a bottle head, chapter 1, verse 1. Leadeth not unto the Lord till thou drink the fizzy drink. <laughs> Hazelhurst filmmaker has been reporting on it has been working on a documentary about the boy for three years. It's literally going nowhere, I imagine, because there's no pictures. Man, if there's a picture of a boy with a coke bottle on his head, I'll freak out. What got me most interested was nobody knew where the boy came from. Nobody knew where he went after the tornado. So he was just around years before with no family or friends. And he's like, there's old Coke bottle head. Yep. Did he have a Coke bottle on his head every time he got seen? Because that would get weird after a while. I assume what happened was he's just a... Well, well first off, with saying a mentalist. <laughs> and then a magician for doing all these things yeah. and just tricking them all. He could have just been a super young con man. like a. Yeah. Saying that things are going to happen in the future. I'm like, yeah. Lots of people did that. That doesn't make them profit. <laughs> Tornado hit on a Thursday, Collins said. The previous night, a television station meteorologist said there would be thunderstorms and rain, but didn't say anything about a tornado. Collins and his siblings were getting ready to go to school. All of a sudden, we heard a sound that sounded like a freight train and got louder and louder and louder. They hid under their bed, Collins remembered. His sister began laughing uncontrolled because no one was sure what was going on. It seemed like it lasted forever, but really just lasted a few seconds. I could feel the whole house was shaking. Every house north of us was standing, he said. Houses going south, pretty much everyone looked like a lumber, lumber yard. I heard people screaming and hollering. There were 30 fatalities, injuries, but nobody ever saw the boy ever again. And there's never been a tornado there since. Sorry for the long pause. I was... Oh, you're fine. Back in the day, we were poor. All of us were poor. If I had a slice of bread, you had half of it says a person for no reason. Man, you just can't interview anybody anymore. Because mm -hmm. they don't, like, intelligent people, and I figured out what it is. There's that old joke, like, why do you always see the, the one person in the trailer park with rollers in her hair wanting to talk to the news? That's the only people that talk to the news. Like, people like me don't want to talk to the news. Be like, no, I'm good. You know, but that person, she's got something to say. Like, right. this bread-having some bitch. Hazelhurst don't never give up. And maybe the tornado started that. Oh, you are stupid. <laughs> but ask almost any black resident of Hazelhurst and they'll know exactly who you're talking about. This filmmaker said there is no record of the mysterious boy no newspaper wrote about him and no one has any photos. This is going to be a shit documentary, dude. You've wasted three years of your life. The filmmaker has interviewed about 100 people who have personally interacted with the boy. He hopes to finish the documentary in the coming months. Collins believed the boy was 10 years old when he showed up in Hazelhurst in 1966. Last time he was seen in dark in 1969, he had dark skin, gently cur curling black hair, and a flat dent on the top of his skull that allowed him to run with a Coke bottle balanced on his head. Oh, flathead Coke bottle? 
pretty sure that it was a mentalist and a magician. He a was string. a stranger and an oddity. He had a string wrapped around it. Some people took him in their homes to feed him and give him a place to sleep. Others mocked and mistreated him. At one point, Colin said the children had thrown... The child was thrown in jail partially to keep him safe from harm, but mostly because he was accused of vagrancy. No one believed his dire predictions of the town. Shirley Watkins Little's mother invited the boy to stay at their house one night. Little, now 58, remembers the boy was a little fella with pretty curly hair. He talked about the Bible and not much else. Little had everyone... Little said not everyone was kind to the boy like his mother was. They were calling him names. They were scared of him, and they were throwing stuff at him to go away or something. Little said she's not sure she believes the boy had power to heal, but there's no doubt in her mind he had power of the prophecy. He said something was going to happen, and it did. Big tornado came up. That made believer out of me. Little still thinks about the boy. I think about the young man and wonder, what became of him? If he's alright, if he's still living, if I had a chance to meet him again, I'd really love to. Catching said she was scared of the boy when she met him more than 50 years ago. One of his eyes were crossed, and there was something defective about his eye. He was just different. He wasn't like little children I played with back in the day because I understood now he was wise before his time. Catching said her mother drove the boy home after she saw some people beating her up at the schoolyard. She stayed for about half an hour. That's an experience I'll never forget. Some of the, God damn it, this article just keeps going. Some of the things Collins had heard about the boy, such as tales of his power to heal and cross into the miraculous. Was the, was the boy truly a prophet? Could it be seen doing God's work? Sandifer believed so. The mayor said when her mother told her stories about the boy, it came with an important lesson. She told it to us because she wanted us to remember that just because people are different, they act different, don't shun them. Don't be impolite to them, because you never know. May dealing with someone that God sent, she said. Always listen. Always, always, always remember, listen. You don't have to agree, but listen and pay attention and be nice to people. Oh, Jesus. For more information about Colin's documentary, please visit Facebook.com slash the boy with the pop bottle on his head. All one word and capitalized. At the beginning of every word, not in like a title, but the T and the is capitalized, and on the O is capitalized. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm going to go to this Facebook page, and he might get two whole new followers from this podcast. <laughs> I think that's going to be a one, because this guy doesn't <laughs> have one. I'm talking about our our, our, our uh, biggest listener. His name is Chris. Oh. Chris has had the distinction of working with both for both me and my wife at different times in his life. And we are friends with Lewis, the provider of the hosting for this podcast. So Chris, you need to spread the word of the, of the podcast. <laughs> and then go like the the, the, the boy with the, the, the pop bottle on his head. I hope this documentary gets legs because I want to see it. Fair enough. Put on some Netflix, you know? Like that fire festival? <laughs> Might as well. <laughs> Might as well. Uh, what is that religious Netflix series that's come out? Wild Country? No, no, it's a Netflix. It's just religious. It'll just show up on there one day. Yeah. 
I mean, if Coke can find this boy. How does he live in a town for three years and nobody... I mean, that's the 60s, I guess. They did not care. Well, they cared enough. They took care of him. Some of them did. I wonder if he died in a tornado. The tornado just took him home like Pecos Bill. They just never found the body? Yeah. He just got sucked up by a tornado. Went to Jesus. And I, I partially died getting surgery. And I went up to the heavens. And I saw St. Peter and God and Jesus. And the boy with the soda pop bottle on his head. I'm going to make a shirt now. God's in the middle. Jesus sitting to his right. And boy with a soda pop bottle on his head. I'm kind of picturing a black boy with like a flat top. Kind of like kid in really? play. But just, and then just a Coke bottle sitting on top of his head. Smiling real big like all happy. With one cross eye. Man, that didn't look right. That about sums it up. Let's only just concentrate on what was defective about the boy. Mm-hmm. I didn't listen to a word he said because he had cross-eyed. And I don't listen to cross-eyed people. I just don't trust them. <laughs> Something ain't right. When your body don't want to participate in the conversation, your eye just looking off all to the side and whatnot, I don't trust no cross-eyed folk. <laughs> all right. And what I'm going to call a, 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 a the last a, last attempt of a desperate man, Trump plans to release JFK assassination documents despite concerns from agencies. Mm-hmm. President Donald Trump announced Saturday morning that he plans to release the tens of thousands of never-before-seen documents left in the files related to President John F. Kennedy's assassination held by the National Archives and Registry Administration. Subject to the receipt of further information, I will be allowing, as president, the long-blocking classified JFK files to be opened, Trump tweeted on October 21st. Well, that was before the initial release. Kennedy's assassination experts have been speculating for weeks about whether Trump would disclose the documents. 1992 Kennedy assassination record collection acquired that millions of pages, many of them containing the CIA and FBI documents, he be published in the 25th, 25 years by October 26 over the years. The National Archives have released most of the documents either in full or partial redacted. But one final batch remains, and only the president has the authority to extend the papers. Secrecy past the October deadline. The president believes these documents should be made available in the interest of full transparency unless agency provide a compelling and clear national security or law enforcement justification otherwise. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, Stone also told Jones that the CIA director, Mike Pompeo, has been lobbying for the president furiously not to release the documents. No reason to keep hidden anymore. Time to let the American people plus history draw their own conclusions. So what do you think? Do you think there's anything in them? I mean, if the if those agencies don't want this information out, probably it's going to look bad on them. Oh, yeah, for Whether sure. it's their incompetency of doing this job and the follow-up on this whole thing, because they had a prejudice against the man, or the fact that they might have had a hand in it. But either way, at this point, they can't be held accountable for what their predecessors did this right. point, that many years ago. Because I know they said it was a matter of national security, but there couldn't be anybody still in the agency that was around them. Yeah. And another reason why I imagine it may be the latter that they might have had a hand in it is because we know for a fact the government, at one point in time, tossed up the idea of using bombs on our own soil Mm -hmm. to heat up the Cold War against, what was it, Cuba? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. 
It'll be interesting. Like I was, I was excited for the for the record dump, and the only thing that came out in the first dump in by in October was um, it was last October. Uh, obviously, it's not coming out anyway. Um, was that the the agency had gotten multiple phone calls about an assassination attempt on the president? Mm. And if um, you read, like I read the book, uh, the assassination in JFK by Bill O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. And, uh... No, Bill O'Reilly, yeah. Well, it was cool, because the book ends... Um, there was a guy... Shit, I forget his name. He was a professor of something. And the book ends, like, he had information. Mm-hmm. And he went public, and then got told to shut up. Right. And the book ends with a reporter knocking on his door as he shot himself. And that reporter was Bill O'Reilly, allegedly. It was a pretty cool ending. Yeah. But, um, I'm going to take that with a bit of salt on that. Right. Because we know for a fact that Bill O'Reilly has lied about doing certain things. Like, he's not even been in the cities that events have happened that he claims to have been on the front line. And he claims he reported in this whole event one time when his camera guy had to save his life because he was incompetent. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, but there's... But you have, like, with that book... And the, the good thing about that book was you had so much inter- information that you could... And I'm not a big J- JFK. Like, there's just so much information, like, I can't get... But, like, I, that's... You would have to spend all of your free time reading that shit. So, like, having watched the J- JFK movie by Oliver Stone, mm-hmm. um, and then watching a few other things, and then reading a couple other books, and... and and Bill O'Reilly, he does not believe a conspiracy happened. He thinks Oswald made that shot. He did it. You know, the Warren Commission report. Um, you know, and you got some reports saying that, that uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was an excellent sniper. And you had others saying that he was shit. You know. But the the, the information, which is true because it, it happened. Like, there was, a, there was a general who would have been in charge, who was supposed to be in charge of that event of, like, securing the area. He was, like, the best at making sure that people don't get killed was sent across the country somewhere else that day. Mm -hmm. Like, why would you do that? Like, in a place where, you know, and then it was supposed to rain, so the car, he wasn't even supposed to be... That's why it was an open top. Like, they had bulletproof cars, and they had the glass, the bubble, you know, the Pope bubble. Right. They had that stuff available, but it was supposed to rain, so nobody was... They were just supposed to see the motorcade. But it quit raining, and Kennedy made the the decision to go out with the top down, which if that general would have been there, he would have said no. He wouldn't have let the president do it, because it's, that fell into his jurisdiction at that point. Right. But because he wasn't the point man, the president got allowed to do this... Which nobody would have done, but they put this incompetent person in place. So the the because we know that's what happened because you know he was in an open top car going down. I don't know. It's interesting. Yep. Like I said, it could be either one, either incompetence or they had a hand in it. <clears throat> My favorite theory is that. And then you get with, and before I get into my theory, then you get with the people who were eyewitnesses that made statements to the police mm-hmm. that day and then were killed later. Like one guy, 
that said that he he didn't he said that he saw a shooter from the grassy knoll. Mm-hmm. He was murdered in his car. They said I think they said it was ruled a suicide, but he was shot three times, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was killed in his car under the under the train tracks. No weapon was found or something. Like it was a real hinky. Like you're saying this guy killed himself. Like it was a real sloppy like suicide. But the cops were like, nope, he totally killed himself. And it was like everybody who would place like the grassy knoll shooter or the shooter behind the fence. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all they all were all killed like in traffic accidents or weird like. Some of them just had heart attacks at the age of thirty. You know, real right. weird stuff. Like, healthy people with no drinking or drug problems just going to the hospital dead of a heart attack. You mm-hmm. know, and no, like, no autopsy were performed. They were buried real fast. You know, um, Lyndon Johnson being sworn in at the airport before fi- before Kennedy was officially ruled dead. Like, there was some real hinky stuff going on that just... Right. I mean, and I know it was a time of chaos, you know, and but you compare that to, like, the 9-11 attacks mm-hmm. where they tell George Bush that... The trade centers have just been hit by planes, and we believe it's terrorists. And he he finishes reading, the donkey went to the circus or whatever the fuck he was reading to those kids in Florida. Mm-hmm. Like that's too, like it's it's both a national emergency and it's something that, you know, we haven't dealt with in years. You know, like the last time there was attack was like Pearl Harbor of that magnitude. Right. And so the last assassination before Kennedy was fucking. I'm sure it wasn't Lincoln. I'm sure there was somebody else assassinated before him. But the last, like, major assassination like that was Lincoln. So, granted, we didn't know how to, we didn't know how to to process that and what the protocol was, but I just feel like swearing homie in, like, definitely secure him, definitely get him on a plane and get him back to D.C., but swearing him in as president didn't seem that important, you know what I mean? Right. And fun fact about the whole 9-11 thing, where did those terrorists come through to get into America? Canada? Yes. <laughs> through the airports. Yeah. That whole wall's just, it's its its a joke. It's its literally his racist monument. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can't argue with that. And I learned an interesting fact today. Um, people that are recruiters and hirers for... Um, Fortune 500 companies that play, that place powerful CEOs, like when a company's getting ready to lose their CEO or a high-ranking executive, mm-hmm. um, there are like these tests that you go through, and the, and it's the same psychological evaluation they give a serial killer because only they make you, the decisions. Yeah, right? you have to make, you have to have this weird sociopathic Not caring about people, basically. right? Yeah, but they're also gonna they're gonna make the decision. They're gonna make what they feel is the right decision and they're not going to hem and haw and plus they'll be totally dedicated to their job. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I found that pretty interesting. Yeah. So my theory on JFK, before we go, um, and it's only because it's one I haven't heard and I'm sure it's out there, but I believe that there were three shooters mm-hmm. independently acting on their own Without the other, like, I believe that that Oswald was a plant by the CIA. And I, I believe that the Russians had a spy in the United States to kill Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the, uh, I used to believe that the mob was in on it. 
mm-hmm. and they all shot it at relatively the same time, which looking, having people analyze the, the path that he went, it's the only place to shoot. So you could have had people who were professional killers going, this is the only place to kill him. Right. I used to believe that the mob would do that, but that's not a mob hit. Mob typically don't snipe people, but I like to I like to imagine that there were three separate people, and let's just say the mob because I don't have a better excuse. Right. That the mob set up, they hired a sniper, and so you had three people, and knowing that he had to be killed in this one car length of section, all shot at the same time. Or Russia could have had two. Yeah, it could have had a failsafe. But I, I truly believe that Oswald was a plant. Like, they were watching him. They had people on the inside. He was being groomed. Mm-hmm. And he was too He was too noisy. Like, like he was definitely... A, he was definitely, like... He was supposed to get caught. He wasn't supposed to walk away. Like, he was totally supposed to be caught. And Jack Ruby was totally supposed to kill him. Alright. Well, that's all I got. You got any parting words? Or? Well... Not parting words, but something I just remembered. Did you hear what Donald Trump's trying to cut more regulations on? No. Regulations on gun sales to different countries. Hey! A.K.A. now the Mafia will be able to buy flamethrowers from our companies in America. Do you think that you're not going to do that? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing Congress can do about it unless it's over $1 million worth. Oh. That is a big number. Mm Mm-hmm. I wish I'd have bought one of Elon Musk's flamethrowers that were not a flamethrower from the Boring Company. I really yep. do. Like, I really wish I would have. Yeah. So, be prepared for us to go to perpetual war again within our country when people buy our guns. With our and, own guns? Yes. Because that's exactly what we're over, over there in the Middle East, or Middle East, whatever. True. Because it's a win-win for the gun companies. Yeah. But at least this time we'll be fighting our own shittily made guns. Mm. And not the AKs. No, the they're, they're, they're actually doing that kind of stuff still. Yeah. They but, listen to regulations on what type of guns they can right. sell. That's the problem. Gotcha. Alright, folks. Well, that's all we got for this week. Um, Hidden Pixel's going to be down for a little bit. Uh, Lewis had to move unexpectedly. I don't don't know what that means. So, uh, while that's down, um, go recruit us some listeners, man. Like, just... Tell them about a segment. Tell them they don't have to listen to the whole thing. Just download us and and give it a listen and let them choose for themselves. So, Chris, I'm talking to you specifically, buddy. Go out and get us some listeners, man. (laughs) All right, I'll see you. Bye. Later.